Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined in studio by Molly Williams. Hello, Molly. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. So we sort of saw each other this morning and sort of didn't see each other. We did. We had a tempo run this morning, which I've been dreading all week. Probably not you. So I was losing sleep over it. I'm glad we're doing this this whole thing about sleep. sleep. But you, you weren't. You weren't bothered by it at all. Um, so yeah, so we are on to backtrack a little. We are on a training program, a half marathon. Own it. Own it from the Train Like a Mother Club right. book. And, and we're, we're peaking. Uh, this, this will be our peak week, I think. And then we start to kind of go down oh that's intriguing yeah, to like me so left. so that yeah because it, and we're training specifically for your isn't that nice for me yeah, for you for yeah, what <laughs> for for the vancouver bc half that i'm gonna do with uh lane and lucy my two of my daughters and a couple of their friends yep on cinco de mayo yeah and yeah. then you will be doing a relay you'll be yeah. crushing it in the relay yes i'll be raising half the distance <laughs> i was thinking that this morning <laughs> that yes yeah, so i am doing the final relay leg of the four woman relay for eau claire marathon as part of the eau claire retreat and yes, so my distance is 7.7 miles, but for some cockamamie reason, I'm doing your training program. A nice friend. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. This time. I did, I did make you a cupcake. I baked oh, you a homemade. You did for yeah. my birthday and it was delicious. I yes. forgot to tell you how much I enjoyed that. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, we enjoyed the, all the other ones. We only gave you one. <laughs> yeah, the best one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this morning we, uh, met up to do, and you got up earlier cause you don't work on, we record on Wednesdays. You don't work on Wednesdays. Yeah, I got up. I did some dynamic warm ups like you suggested I should. So I did the lunge matrix and the swing the leg thingy and oh, we met at six fifteen. Mm-hmm. did our warm up, and then we had four miles of tempo, which we'd already decided you were going to go. But we faster. Hadn't, we hadn't already decided. So the, well, we decided the, in our warm up. We decided in our warm up. Yeah. It was so funny because you had obviously decided ahead of time because you were smart enough to wear your aftershocks. Yes, I was. <laughs> Whereas I at least was like, oh, I bet we might not stay together. I don't know. So I, at least I had my phone with me so I could play music. But you know, everyone in the neighborhood heard me and yep. Sia as yep. I went by. Yep. You know, an usher. Uh, so we did then decide to stay in our neighborhood in hopes that um, there would be porta potties at the ready if either one of us needed them. Which there were for, <laughs> for some of us, <laughs> and they were needed. Right. And then and then we debated far too long and hard over what we were going to do for our four miles. Yep. We live in a grid, so it doesn't really matter. So we we ended up with a circle. <laughs> <laughs> that that worked out well and we and you did uh, did you do we haven't talked about our run yet but did you do a nine minute mile that's what so you were going so for? i was aiming for nine minute miles i averaged 850 whoa, over the course whoa. of four i was very excited so um yeah i uh my first one was uh 848 and i was like whoa yeah. That, uh, so then the second one, I tried to slow it down a little, 9.05, but then 8.53. And then I thought, okay, I can get sub nine. I'm going to go for it. So and I got, I think, 8.43 for the final mile. Awesome. Yeah. So and you were going to aim That's between 9.50 and 9.30? Uh, yes. And yeah, I did it. I was mostly 9.30. Yeah. Nice. And uh, actually, as I was running, you know, I just... Uh, I didn't want to run with you because when we've we've done like a nine fifteen pace, um, but it's been split up like two miles. Our, our last one was two miles, and we had a quarter mile 
rest and then another Mm -hmm. quarter mile or another two miles and i just i was mentally i'm just like four miles at 9 15 i just don't want to do it you Mm -hmm. know so i was Mm -hmm. like okay we'll see how it goes i was really going more like 9 45 to 10 and i'm like okay this feels like an effort if i hold this for four miles i'm happy with it but then when i looked at my numbers yeah it was 9 30 oh good good yeah so and i knew that because i know that I sometimes have been pulling us. I think both of us have been pulling, but probably yeah. me a little more so pulling us faster in those shorter tempos than than you would need or want to go. Right. And so there that was and so I was like, oh, if I'm asking her to go nine, that's really asking all, you know, yeah. like that's being too demanding. But this worked out perfectly. Yeah. And it was kind of fun. We did a loop and our loops weren't exactly the same. So I ended up running into you at a yeah. corner and you know, yeah, we, we saw each other at a, yeah, Did well, you find any money? I did not, did you? One penny. No, I found two pennies, but one was embedded. So. Oh, but I found something even better. I ran into Lane, your oldest daughter. Oh, <laughs> that is almost better. <laughs> almost better. Was she in a good mood? She was. And she, uh, yes, I told her that we had just, it was right after we'd passed each other. And uh, so, but by that point I had cut a block South and I was like, Oh, I don't know. I think probably your mom's probably still in Thompson. I don't know. And uh-huh. so, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and there, gosh, there were so many runners out today. Yeah. A lot of runners. Yeah. I saw her when she got home. I was, I was in my Sally Hemings phase. I was going and researching all that. This has been my bathroom. I was like, I've got to think it about Sally Hemings. I'm like Googling all this stuff. <laughs> Sally Hemings, otherwise known as Thomas Jefferson's Since concubine. Mm-hmm. Slave. Yeah, mm-hmm. slave. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. Whole nother podcast for that one. Right. And, it, and the reason you got on that thread was you because were listening to... Because I was listening to, to Hamilton mm-hmm. and then the Jefferson song came on and then, you know, then natural yeah. progression to Sally. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Miss Cranky, Miss Cranky Pants came home while I was in my Sally Hemings face. That kid. Now she was okay for a while, but like um, I got in her way making breakfast and then she's going to have a, you know, I can't, you can't talk about adult kids, right? She's going to have a little minor surgical thing. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound like very much fun. Oh, why would you say that? <laughs> like, oh, good Lord. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. Now she's going to kill me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not going to make her any happier, is it? <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you something that made me laugh this week. Molly Williams. Oh, April. <laughs> April Fools. Oh, my gosh. You got me so good. <laughs> Let's tell folks what you did. Oh, uh, so I put a Bigfoot action figure on your backup camera on the um, Chrysler minivan. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that you, so saw you taped Bigfoot. it. Yep. And so, but that somehow I drove, I backed out of my driveway. Yeah, I'm not didn't encouraged see by it. that. <laughs> yeah, didn't see it. Um, and then went and had to turn around. So to get a parking spot, mm-hmm. didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, left that parallel parking spot, didn't see it. But then finally got down to the library to return a book. And was parallel parking <laughs> shrieked in my van because okay so it's only you know maybe it's um it's, it's action figure it's, size yeah exactly it's G. not G. quite a, exactly gi joe size and but boy when it's taped up close to your backup cam mm. it looks like it's life size mm. particularly because i had this split screen so there was one and it looked like he was hanging on the back of the car oh, yeah <laughs> horrifying running at you you know (laughs) right there uh and i'd love to take credit for it but laney's um friend joe did it to me around in the fall and (laughs) and got me good i was like oh yeah so but i kept it secret i know i think that shows real forethought on your part yeah 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 because there aren't many things (laughs) in in our lives that we don't Uh tell each other you know so from the mundane to the big we (laughs) share it all that's right (laughs) 
Um, maybe it was because I was traveling, and so a week had passed before, you know, that <laughs> slipped from your mind. But gosh, I just, I honestly laughed for five minutes straight. I got out of the car, returned the book, and I was like, ha! Ah! So the other one I did was at work. Um, I, you know, I did this to a couple clients. You know, their dog came back for whatever nail trimmer. And you're a veterinarian. I'm a veterinarian, yeah. And, and one was, so one was like, yeah, I don't know, anal glands, nail trim, whatever it was. <laughs> and um, so I go take the, the, I took her the collar off her dog and I put it on my dog. Who's it? And I took my dog up and said, "Well, here's your dog. Good as new. Kind of a whole new dog." And she got it right away. She's like, "Yeah, ha ha ha." And then the next guy I did it to, he didn't get it right away. He was like looking at me like I was crazy. I'm like, "When that dog had been limping, I'm like, not limping anymore. Everything's fixed." And then he's like, "Oh, yeah, April Fools." I thought I was very funny. So too, particularly because you have such a sweet yellow lab and he <laughs> just with her eyes so complacent oh yeah he was like okay going home with you now you look nice oh my goodness and then one more thing that we've done together that was fun or interesting unique was that we went and did a float session yeah float sessions because we each birthday. had our own pods so, yeah, so i got you your group on you got me my group on right because we both have yeah. march birthdays uh-huh. and you know it's pisces right or you're not you're I'm, not I'm aries. aries aries yeah mm. um so but it was something actually prompted by christy ashwanden mm-hmm. who had been on talking about her book about recovery on the podcast and that she said that that was for her the most effective recovery treatment the mm-hmm. one that she liked the best and I'd always been worried about being feeling claustrophobic and she was like, Oh, I had the same concern. And so I was like, okay, I think we can do this. So you and I went and we had two very different experiences. Why don't you tell what happened with yours? Well, So I have a ear thing where, um, like with swimming, I get nauseated and, um, I can't do backstroke because that really triggers oh. it. Anything putting my head back, like the fish pose, I can't do that in yoga, mm-hmm. um, triggers my nausea. And I, sh- I should have kind of thought through it, but I thought, well, it'd be more like laying on a bed. Um, and it wasn't. And I just, mm. I got, um, I was too warm. It was really warm in the room. I was really uncomfortable. I didn't feel like I could breathe. And then the nausea hit and, and then I was getting salt in my eyes. And I was like, oh. I, just because I was yeah, uncomfortable sure, yeah. moving around. And so I, I got out. I yeah. maybe lasted a half an hour. But yeah. you had a better experience. So I had a better So we both both had the concern of being claustrophobic. So you mm-hmm. chose the open top mm-hmm. tank. And so that there was no lid on it. No, but it was very, very warm in the room. Right. Stiflingly warm. Right. Because they knew that yes. you would be. Yeah. So um, because what I didn't realize is I just hadn't thought through when you lay in a float tank your whole body is not covered with water that much of your front of your body is in not exposed is exposed to air. It's not under the water. Mm-hmm. And so that if, you know, if you're not covered by the water, then you're a little damp, but you get cold. So anyway, so I had a um, lid on the tank. I want to call it a coffin. That's not what it is. <laughs> pod. That, that, yes, pod that you can um, open and close, except so I, so at first I definitely, when I first got in, thought I was going to have a freak out. And so told my, kept the light on in the, in the pod and, you know, it's kind of a, a light. It's not like a desk lamp. It's kind of an atmospheric light. And then finally got, talked myself down and then was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to try to close the lid a little. So started to close it and stopped it about halfway. And then when I got more comfortable, I went to close it again. And for the life of me, I could not get that lid to close. So that my exposed bits were a tiny bit chilly the entire time. So I think that kind of kept me from going to a place of la la 
om om, you know, zen. But um, it definitely, I've been having some back pain and boy, it made it go away. Good. Yeah. So, um, but I, my mind did not go blank. I have had definitely had my mind go, I mean, go blank far more during foot reflexology or mm-hmm. we were talking about acupuncture. What happens mm-hmm. to both of us when we do acupuncture? I loved your term. What do you call it? Acu- Aculand. Aculand. I love Aculand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, 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 I was hoping for Aculand. I know that your mind, you don't, you don't realize your mind is going somewhere and then suddenly it's the, it's somewhere it's, else. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just floating around. It's not quite sleep. It's not quite daydreaming. It's not quite meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was definitely hoping for that. But no, I had, you know, I thought about what I should cook for dinner. It wasn't troubling, mm-hmm. but I thought about what I should cook for dinner. I definitely had some flashbacks to an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where mm. she got, where she ended up, she was brought back from the dead. And so she was in a coffin. She had to claw her way out. That was, you know, so mm. I was obviously having some thoughts mm-hmm. about being mm-hmm. in a, yeah. you know, enclosed space. Did um, you push yourself around? And- so it's funny. It seemed like there was a tiny bit of a current in it that I always, I would very gently nudge against the left side, even though it didn't seem like I was, mm-hmm. Mo- moving my body to propel myself in any way. And you push yourself off? I would a little bit, push myself off a little bit. I did find it very, very relaxing to have my hands be floating. That I think oh, I must right. carry a lot of stress in my hands. So that's interesting. So, and I mean, how rando is that? That like it was, it, I while it was happening, I'm like, oh, this is so relaxing to have my hands just be mm-hmm. relaxing. Well, you found... A new thing about yourself. Yeah. So, so when I, it was almost a little bit like a marathon after it was over, I'm like, yeah, not going to do that again. And in the days since I'm like, huh, if I get another group on, I could see doing that again. Good for you. Yeah. 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 So I'll have to go alone though. Afraid so. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just get an acupuncture. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> there is, there is at that place, they do have massage or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, yeah. certainly we can do our own separate things, but it is nice <laughs> when, we do, when we do activities together. Yeah. And I was really happy to try it. Yeah. 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 That, how do you know unless you try it? Right. Exactly. And the, but then it was the funny thing that when I, while it was happening, I thought, oh, I'm not really digging this. I'm like, oh, I bet Molly's loving this. <laughs> and I'm like, as long as Molly's enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. I got out and then went down to the lobby and took a nap on their couch. <laughs> it was a good nap. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So I actually, before speaking of naps, I thought I would take a nap in the pod, but, um, did not, but this episode is all about sleep as you indicated, Mm -hmm. you know, how to get more of it or maybe get by on less, how to fall back asleep, why some of us sweat so dang much when we slumber as Mm -hmm. you know, and more. First, we'll talk to a nurse at a respected sleep clinic. Then we'll be talking with professional runner and mother of two, Stephanie Bruce. Stay with us. Our first guest is Ellen Wormter, a family nurse practitioner at Charlottesville Neurology and Sleep Medicine in Virginia. Ellen is a dedicated sleep professional certified in cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. In her personal life, Ellen is very much one of the AMR tribe. She's a mom of four, and Ellen enjoys running and yoga. Thanks for coming on on to talk sleep with us, Ellen. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So... 
four kids. And I have to say, when I saw your picture that you sent us for our social media collage, I was like, wait a minute. Did she have her kids like when she herself was a child? I mean, <laughs> you look so young, yet your kids look grown up. What's up with that? Uh, thank you so much. That's such a big compliment. And one I used to get before I had four kids. Um, they have aged me a bit, but I had my first child at age 25. Uh-huh. Um, and he's getting ready to turn 20 at the end of this week. Uh-huh. And my other other children going down from there are a 17-year-old uh, son and then 13- and 15-year-old daughters. Okay. Um, so we have a busy household, but they are, they are a lot of fun at this age, oh, for good. sure. Oh, good. But they're keeping you up at night in a different way. You know, maybe you're waiting for them to get home from parties or dates or something like that instead of crying or needing to go to the bathroom. Yes, a little bit. Although I think that kids now don't, at least in the circles that we know, don't tend to go out quite as much because they can connect, mm-hmm. you know, over through their social media accounts. And so they don't have that, you know, pressing need to go out and hang out with friends because they can do it from their own house sometimes that, that's, they, an inter- that's an interesting theory i was just thinking oh i guess phoebe doesn't party as much as i used to like she but yeah well there is a whole thing about yeah kids not connecting as much uh sarah was telling me her daughter is taking a trip down to ashland and they told them they couldn't bring phones so they've got six hours on a bus without their phones uh-huh. and they're gonna have to learn how to talk to each other i know right yeah, yeah. daphne was like what are we gonna do on a I bus know. for six hours without phones <laughs> because a lot of times they're just parallel you know playing with their phones and uh-huh. sh- sharing stuff and yeah they can't even do that yeah yeah right. yeah yeah eye contact ah! <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and then the dating thing is completely different with the apps and, and yeah, the yeah. texting and do you text or do you talk like Ellie has been talking to a boy and uh, well texting to a boy and yeah. my husband suggested that they talk she said oh no we're not at that point in our relationship where we actually talk that's serious stuff so but uh we love that you're a runner um maybe you're uh, so good looking because you're a runner and you're a good sleeper huh Sure. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been a runner and are you trained for anything? Oh, yes. I've, I've been running since, wow. Um, I mean, I ran a little bit in high school, but really it probably was around the time I started having children that I, that it, that I sort of started to see the benefit as far as you get a really good workout in a short amount of time, mm-hmm. which is helpful when you're managing that when you have, you know, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a, a one 10 miler a year just to keep myself honest. And then we'll do some other things based on kind of what, what comes up. Um, right now I have three sisters and they talked me into doing a run bike, uh, event. That's, uh, we're, we're going to be a four person team and mm. you go 125 miles in one night. And for some reason, I don't understand why it is overnight. It is, <laughs> Couldn't we do this during the day, folks? Yeah, that's that's yes. going to get in the way yes. of your sleep. <laughs> the most terrifying part of the, the, the whole thing for me is that it's going to be in the dark and I'm. it's going to be at a time when it's not optimal performance mm-hmm. and it's, and my body is going to really be, want to be asleep. But I, I think I'm going to sort of use it as an opportunity to, you know, maybe 
do a blog post or, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, talk about what that situation was like. And, and I told them, I said, hey, I'll do it with you this time. But in the future, when we choose races, <laughs> let, let's pick one when the sun is up, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're just messing with you. They're, they're going to take the sleep I, expert and make you stay up all night. I think they are. Yeah. I, think they, yeah. I don't think they like you very much. <laughs> I don't know what you did to them, but um, I think you should bring the chocolate. That's all I got to say. So when you're not being harassed by your sisters, you you have a job that involves sleeping uh, and probably not just sleeping. Do you want to tell us about your work life? Oh, yes. I have a wonderful job at Charlottesville Neurology and Sleep Medicine. I work with a physician here named Chris Winter, who's um, sort of sort of famous in the sleep field because he did a study about major league baseball players mm. and the circadian advantage of, um, you know, that, that is actually there based on, you know, when we're most likely to be at peak performance. Mm. Um, so he's been a great mentor to me, but we have a small clinic here in Charlottesville and we see patients every day um, and we see them for a variety of sleep disorders, uh, sleep apnea, insomnia, uh, narcolepsy, restless legs, you know, lots of variety. And it's a fun place to work. Uh, It's it's great. Good, good, good. So let's dive into questions. We put up a call for questions on our AMR Facebook page, as we often do. And boy, we got just a slew of great questions. So excellent. Yeah. So here's the first one. Monica asked, how much sleep do you need? And how interrupted can it be? Ah, that's a good question. So everybody wants to know that magic number. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it's very individualized. So when you, in in fact, the message in the media of you have to get your eight hours can be damaging for some people, because not everybody needs eight hours. And if you try to get it, and you, and you just can't, because that's not who you genetically are, um, you're going to run into problems. Um, So the best thing you can do is is sort of figure out for you what works. The average best number is about is actually closer to seven as far as mortality. There's a U-shaped curve where very little, you know, you're going to have problems. And on actually on the other end, if you're getting too much, you're going to have problems. And seven's about, you know, optimal. But that, again, is just an average there are going to be some people that do just fine on six, and there are going to be other people that need eight and a half and nine. Uh, so what you're looking for is, do you, how long does it take you to fall asleep? You know, how do you feel in the morning? Do you feel refreshed? Um, one good way to sort of evaluate is if you take a vacation. When do you naturally fall asleep mm. and wake up? And how do you feel during the day? Those types of things. Mm-hmm. So it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the second part of the question? Oh, it, how interrupted, you know, oh. that, that, so let's say we're talking, let's, so we're aiming maybe for seven, you know, but what happens if you wake up for two hours in the middle of that? Is it still, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's best if you, if you can limit interruptions to once or twice a night, it is normal to have 
one or two interruptions. I mean, mm. a lot of people want to have the sleep they had when they were a child where you lay down and you basically have a blackout period <laughs> until you get up. And that's, uh, that's unrealistic as we get older. We go through four to six sleep cycles. At the end of each cycle, we sort of lighten our sleep and we'll have an arousal. If we were looking at that on a polysomnogram on a sleep study, we don't always remember it. But as we get older, it's more likely that we will remember it because our sleep in general gets a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not unusual to have an awakening or an arousal. Uh, it's best if we can kind of get back to sleep within a half an hour or so. Um, you know, that would be more ideal than mm -hmm. having these longer periods where we're unable to get back to sleep because that will add up and cut into our duration over time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And we'll get, we have a couple questions about that because that's definitely something that plagues a lot of other runners, but um, yeah, but that's good to know that that's a, a normal thing. Um, I, I did see historically that when we didn't have electric lights and, you know, people would be having the winter months where they have long periods of darkness and they would, you know, be in bed for a long period of time because there wasn't much to do that, that, that there's even a term for it of these waking periods at night mm -hmm. and, uh, people would think about things and you problem solve and make love. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was just part of a normal, um, evening you know or mm -hmm. it would well, just it's happen how, it's how you'd have kids if you lived in you know a one yeah, room house probably yeah mm -hmm. so I, I i think that's so comforting <laughs> to know that it's totally okay just embrace it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't be yep. afraid of it yeah mm -hmm. well several women asked a, a version of an of a question that another molly um summed up uh, and it is is it healthier to grab an extra hour of sleep or to get up and go for a run and i'm hoping your answer is to get an extra hour of sleep so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> no pressure <laughs> uh, that you know that they they've done some studies recently that looked at that and and said you know what where is the line? Mm -hmm. And and I think it just depends. If you're, you know, if you're short on sleep, you're going to want to, you're going to get the sleep. It's going to benefit you more. You're going to have, you're going to have a better result later if you go ahead and get the rest. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a tricky question because at some point we're going to want to get that exercise in because it's going to help us sleep better the next night right so if you, yeah if you need to kind of break that cycle and, and that's the time that you're most likely to do it I would say get up and do it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so sort of as a follow-up question that Kristen was asking I'll ask the question then and give a little of her background she wants to know is there a minimum number of hours she should sleep before she tries to fit in training and mm -hmm. um that she was saying, you know, that what's the breaking point between exercise and sleep if you're not getting enough of either, you know, with her work schedule and kids, she's getting four or five hours a night of sleep. And um, that she's and not always in one block. And she right now isn't training because she feels she's not getting a kind of solid core of sleep that to support the training that she wants to do. Absolutely. So scheduling is, is just the biggest problem because you're trying to balance all of your other demands that you have. Um, often we'll have work that we're trying to do, have taking care of kids, we'll have all of these things that we're trying to balance with our sleep and our exercise. Uh, and the more, and, and athletes, particularly if you're training hard for something, sometimes your sleep needs 
are higher for that during that training period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if you're normally pretty good on seven hours, you're training really hard for something, you may need more. What I would say is during those times, anything, anytime you can fit in and, you know, a nap, even if it's on your lunch break or, you know, as long as it's not interfering with your ability to fall asleep at night, that time that you're getting counts. Mm. And even if you don't fall asleep during that rest period, because let's say you are in the middle of work and you're kind of stimulated by the work environment, even if you have time to just close your eyes and relax, that rest and that recuperation um, is still very valuable, even mm. if you don't. A lot of people will say, well, I don't, I don't even want to try because, you know, I only have 20 minutes and I'll only start to fall asleep mm -hmm. at the end of that 20 minutes. So I'm not even going to bother. Right. Well, take that 20 minutes to just sit quietly and have a mental pause. Mm. And maybe, maybe some of the things that you normally, your brain can offload some of the things that it would normally do at night so that at night you can fall asleep faster. Mm. Or you just get a little bit of a, a mental recovery there mm -hmm. from that rest period, even if you don't nap. Mm -hmm. um, as far as minimums, I don't have a set minimum. Again, it goes back to sort of your individual sleep need and then your what additional you need based on how heavy your training schedule is. But it is important to prioritize sleep because it's going to help with injury prevention. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to help with your willpower to continue to do things. So your pain, <laughs> your pain tolerance is better when you're when you're well slept. Um, your judgment and your decision making is better. Uh, your injury rate is lower, your speed and accuracy is higher. So hmm. you, you're definitely going to need to prioritize sleep if you want to perform better in those other areas. I mean, I hear you listing off all the benefits of sleep. I mean, no wonder it's called vitamin S, you know, it's just like, it's like a, if they could put it in pill form, it would be a miracle. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So this question might take us a bit down a rabbit hole, but Laura would like you to explain the difference between deep sleep, REM sleep, and the context of benefit to recovery. And mm. how can we get more deep sleep? And I'll just add into that because it's not a long enough question. Um, <laughs> if you were to meditate, how does that relate to sleep? Like, does that correlate to any part of sleep? Oh, yes. Very good question, actually. So sleep's divided into four sleep stages. You have REM, and then you have three non-REMs. So it, it's, and those are non-REM one, non-REM two, and non-REM three. So very creative naming here. Wait, wait, I got to get this down. It's getting confusing. Go ahead. So we just shorten them to N1, N2, N3, and then REM sleep. Mm -hmm. um, so REM sleep's what we commonly think of as dream sleep. N1, N2, and N3 are, are the N1 being very, very light, N2 sort of deeper light sleep, which is where we spend most of our night, 60% mm. of our time. So don't knock light sleep. It's important too. <laughs> um, and then very deep sleep is that N3, that slow wave sleep. Um, and that is your recovery sleep. That's when you secrete your growth hormone that's going to help with that muscle tissue repair. All of those micro abrasions is going to help repair that. We get that in the first couple of hours of our night. Our body's very good at preserving that. It wants to go straight for it and make sure that we get it so that if our sleep's interrupted, we've already taken care of that important part of the night. 
ways you can get deeper sleep are um, routine, like a regular routine is going to help that because your brain likes, wants to know what's coming up next. It wants to predict <laughs> what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so a regular routine is going to help you sleep more deeply and meditation. So even though it sounds a little, you know, loosey goosey, it, it's the science is there. It's, it will actually help to rewire your brain and help you perceive your sleep and to get deeper sleep. So a, a meditation practice, you know, I'll usually say, don't start it right before bed because it is a practice. And if you feel like you're not doing a lot of us runners in particularly, we're kind of performance mm -hmm. uh, oriented and we are competitive and we want to do things well. And meditation is something that is more, uh, you know, requires practice. And so some days you're going to be better at it than others. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I say usually what the recommendation is, is try to pick a time at not right before bed, but a time that you can be consistent. Like every day when I get back from my run or after dinner or, mm -hmm. you know, tie it to something else, I'm going to sit down and have a little meditation session. Mm -hmm. And you can start with just three minutes a day, three days a week, and then go up to five minutes a day, five days a week. And, and practice that for a, a few weeks, and you'll probably see a difference in your sleep. I mean, odds are good that you will. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, and it does some, some rewiring of the brain to kind of help you be able to settle and quiet your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of apps and things out there that you can try. One of the coolest that I like, actually, is the Muse headband, mm -hmm. because it's, it's, um, it's M-U-S-E. It actually gives you biofeedback. So I love mm -hmm. being able to hear my brain waves <laughs> as I'm meditating oh. and um, and make adjustments. So it will ha play a ambient noise of your choice. So let's say you like the beach, you pick the waves. As you're doing your little meditation se session, if you start to think about something that makes your brain waves more active, mm. uh, like, you know, oh no, my, I got it. I got it pack my kids lunch for tomorrow and I forgot to, you know, mm -hmm. then those waves will start to crash more violently. Oh. And that's your signal to, hey, your thoughts are getting more active, work to quiet them. And so you then you work to quiet your thoughts, they start to lap very gently again, very quiet. Oh. Huh. If you're really, really calm, you'll start to hear these birds chirping. And then at the end of, I know it's fantastic. And then you get all excited and you're back to, <laughs> yeah, you're like, back oh, to a tsunami. The yeah. <laughs> then you worry about the birds being drowned and, oh, it's just dreadful. Yeah. Yes, it is. But it's all good practice because then you get mm -hmm. recoveries. Like if you go up to active and then back to calm, you get a recovery. And mm -hmm. there's a little graph at the end that kind of shows you, oh, here's where I lost it for a while. And then I brought it back together and I heard 13 birds over the course of this you know it's a, it appeals to the competitive side of me because I try to beat my high score which is probably not the point of meditation but uh, yeah you just lost <laughs> you're gonna start a forum of like people who are competitive with muse headband or something yeah exactly <laughs> gamers with muse headband uh. exactly so that helps you get into that deep recovery phase of sleep the meditation mm -hmm. Yes, okay. it, can, it can definitely help those lighter stage, stages deepen a little bit. Are those brain waves similar to a phase of sleep that you get during meditation? Yeah, it's it's like that in that 
yeah, your brain waves are going to not be that very quick, active sort of um, jerky movement. They're uh -huh. going to slow down. But they're not. Then, they're not like an are a non three. They're more like a like a non one. Or I mean, I guess no, right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. It's not going to be quite the same. Yeah. But it definitely is. It's it's good practice and, and uh -huh. moving in that direction. So it helps you transition a little bit more easily. Yeah. I try to meditate. I try. <laughs> I know. Try. <laughs> all right. So um, Dar asked the question that are on all of our minds. It's something we touched on earlier. How do you go back to sleep when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't turn your mind off? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. So a couple of things. First of all, if it's happening all the time, then it's become a habit with mm -hmm. your brain. Your mm -hmm. brain's mm -hmm. learned, okay, this is the time that mm -hmm. I get to think about all the, these things. <laughs> um, and that that does happen because I think particularly in the world we're living in now, when we're awake, we are getting bombarded by input mm -hmm. all of the time. If we're not you know, interacting with family or kids, we're scrolling our phone, we're, we're, the phone is ringing. The, there's all these demands on our, on our cognition, on our time and attention. And it's not until the lights go out and we have some quiet time that our brain is finally able to just, phew, okay, now mm -hmm. what do I want to think about? And then all <laughs> of these things start to bubble up uh -huh. um, that we haven't been able to address. So one thing that can help is the faster you're going, it's like a car trying to stop. The faster you're going during the day, the more time you're going to need to wind down before bed. So mm -hmm. making sure that we're giving ourselves an adequate amount of time to, to calm down in the evening, wind down. Uh, another suggestion is a worry window. So mm -hmm. if, if you're in the habit of those things come up at night, mm -hmm you want to reschedule that worry time for another time of day. Mm -hmm. So what we'll say is pick a time, sit down for 15 minutes, piece of paper, pencil, start thinking of what, cut out all distractions. What is my brain going to give me? What's it going to hit me with tonight? And try to purposefully mm. think of those things during the day. Wow. And when you do that and you can write them down, writing them down has been shown to help even more because it's kind of, like we're offloading them. We're, we're putting them on the paper and then our brain can kind of let them go. It's not wanting to kind of hold on to them and circle back. Cause that's what always happens to me. I have this thought, Oh, I got to remember that later. Oh, yeah. So my brain feels like it's a hamster reel. It feels like it keeps coming back to the same. Oh, and I can't let go of those things that so they're all just rolling around in there and, <laughs> and I can't get rid of them. So something about writing it on the piece of paper is, is, shown to be even more helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, so establishing that worry window, your brain is still going to want to do it at night just because it's a habit. It's mm -hmm. been, you, that's what it's been doing. But you tell it, you say, hey, I took care of that in my worry window. I have another one scheduled for tomorrow. I don't <laughs> need to do this now. Um, and, and then you try to replace those thoughts with something else that brings you pleasure. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to plant my do my garden or mm -hmm. think about your training routine or think about, you know, something that, that that's pleasurable to you. Typically that will allow you to kind of relax and go to sleep, but it takes time to retrain your brain because habits are hard to break. And we do have to establish the new habit, let that take hold and then try to replace the, the negative or the, yeah, the worry thoughts, the negative thoughts with 
something happier. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it's becoming a problem where you're frustrated that you can't get back to sleep, it's okay to get up and have a change of scenery for 20, 30 minutes, do something quiet, read a book, and then go back to the bed. You don't want to build the you, you don't want the bed to be a cue for struggle. Mm-hmm, you want the mm-hmm. bed to be a cue for sleep. So if you're spending a lot of time frustrated in bed, then it might be time to to, to get up and, and change scenery and reestablish the bed as a place where you're calm. And, you know, if you can remain calm and lie there and think about happy things, you're getting a lot of benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just knowing that, makes people oh, feel yeah. a little less stressed yeah. because I think what happens is we get where we're like, I'm not going back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, what if it takes, what if it takes another hour? What if I lay mm-hmm. here and you're starting to do the math of I've got to get up in three hours and how am I going to be functional for the day? And, mm-hmm. you know, and that anxiety, um, you know, you're not going to be able to go to sleep if you're in the, in that mode. Yeah. But if you can stay in relaxed mode and recognize that you're getting benefit from that quiet time, and nobody's bothering you. You're in a cool, comfortable environment. It's dark. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. just lay back and enjoy it. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Unfortunately, for... finally, finally got some me time. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, for a lot of us with partners, it's not always quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> laying there contemplating murder in the middle of the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Another use for a pillow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wonder how long it'll take him to wake up and put this over his face. Uh. Um, I, I do have to say, Ellen, I am very glad to know that I'm not the only person who talks to my brain. That 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 you know you were saying, oh well, just tell your brain. No, no, no. Uh, I I had my worry window today, and I'll have another one tomorrow. I mean, I totally do that, and it's so. I mean, it's so yes. meta to be talking to your own brain, but um, I you do have. <laughs> You know, yeah, that you have to you have to pep talk yourself. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, and absolutely. The, I mean, what I tell myself is, you're not going to solve that problem now. Like, you know, that right. that you know, I can either fret a whole bunch about the tasks I didn't get done at work yesterday. Well, unless I'm going to commit to getting up and doing them right now, fretting about them isn't going to do me any good. I love that. Yeah. That's great. And That's um, a great. And what I you talking about? Um, you know, thinking about what you're going to plant in your garden. I find that my brain sort of wants something to chew on. And mm-hmm. so that I like to think of things that, that I have to ponder, but that aren't troubling, you know? Right. So I have, um, I used to row with a friend whose husband's last name was Lubomirsky and they were having twin boys. <laughs> and so I would lay there and think about what should Maria name her boys? Because, you know, that they have kind of, you know, not, um, not a super easy last name to work with. And so, <laughs> Like for honestly, for like a month. That's Lewis what... and Bernie. <laughs> Lewis Lubomirsky and Bernie Lubomirsky. Oh, see, but you oh, had to pause boy. so much before you said Bernie Lubomirsky. So um, <laughs> I just, just, they ended up with um, Aiden and Liam. Oh. And then they had a Seamus. That's, yeah, that's single. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I came up with better solutions, but anyway. <laughs> but that's perfect. I mean, you found, you, you hit on exactly what you should be doing. It's giving yourself, some, uh, your brain something to chew on, but that's mm-hmm. not troubling. I mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll con- if I have a problem, I'll contemplate the resolution of the problem and like, you know, say it's a, uh, 
oh, how am I going to do on that test? You know, whatever. So then I'll think, oh, I've aced the test. How good that feels to have aced the test. And I'll just try to sit with that feeling of being good with it. Like, I know Mm. it hasn't happened, but I just try to embrace that feeling of it all went well. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Duping yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Better than murder. (laughs) So, um, so sort of as a follow-up to the original question that got us on this whole track was, um, so is it more common, Stephanie is wondering, is it more common to sleep for shorter periods and less deeply the older you get? And that she finds she wakes up frequently and, you know, it's like takes her a long time to go back to sleep. And then even she feels she doesn't change. And I relate to this, that that she doesn't change positions while asleep as much as you do when you're younger. You know, when you're younger, you like go to sleep on your side and you wake up and you're halfway across the bed on the other side, your other side. (laughs) And, you know, and sometimes I'll like wake up in seemingly the exact same position I went to sleep in. Yeah. I don't know about the positions, but I can speak to the lightness of sleep Mm -hmm. that um, doesn't happen to everybody, but some people do get a little bit lighter sleep as they get older and remember more of their arousals. Um, There's something called sleep spindles that happen and you have, they block out external noise and environment, uh, environmental noise. And they're, they're, you don't have as many when you as you get older. So um, sometimes a white noise machine or a pink noise machine or you know something to even out the tone so that if a garbage truck does go by or a dog starts to bark or something like that, mm-hmm. it doesn't send an arousal signal to your brain mm-hmm. can help to keep those arousals from disturbing your sleep quite as much but light lighter sleep as we get older is is something that does happen sometimes and it's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes we might need to get and and less sort of sometimes we can't sustain sleep as long Mm -hmm. so people will say i used to be able to sleep all the way till eight and now I wake up at seven. Mm-hmm. Some of that could be a little bit of a shift in your chronotype. As we get older, we tend to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. Uh, but some of it is there are other things that are interrupting our sleep. Either it's lighter or we have, you know, we have more aches and pains as we get older that tend to disturb our sleep. So sometimes when, you know, a nap isn't a bad idea. If, if you're a person that, that naps successfully, and what I mean by that is some people, it just makes them feel kind of more groggy and, Mm -hmm. and worse, but in other situations, they're very restorative and that sleep, that time that you're napping, you can count. It's, it counts is what Mm -hmm. I mean. It's, Mm -hmm. it's still, if you only got six hours and you got an hour nap, then you can count seven. It's Mm -hmm. still, even though it's not in that chunk, it's still beneficial. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So several people asked a version of this question from Kimberly. I have trouble sleeping after particularly long runs. I can feel exhausted, but my body won't sleep. I, I've certainly had that experience. Yeah. And I've always chalked up to adrenaline, you know, that, that I just get kind of amped up after a long run. I mean, gosh, after a marathon, you know, forget about falling asleep early mm-hmm. that night, which seems counterintuitive. Totally normal, though. And 
it's okay. I would take the, take the pressure off yourself about needing to sleep. Understand that it's your body's response to having just accomplished this amazing thing. And, and then it's more about sort of overall, you know, leading up to that, try to bank as much sleep as you can. Um, and then afterwards it's going to even itself out. So it's, if it's a, a night here or there, even prior to, a lot of athletes have a hard time sleeping prior to an event, and then they think, how am I going to perform? One night's not going to make a big difference, but you want to make sure leading up to it that your sleep is in, in, good, in good shape. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Okay, so uh, one final question. Um, let's talk sweating. Numerous women asked about sweating profusely at night, and not just women around menopausal age. We had a lot of women who were in their 30s asking this question, you know, saying they they do things that should make it so they're not, you know, they're sleeping in a pretty cool room, you know, light sheets, light comforter, light nightgown, this whole thing, but, you know, wake up and they're just drenched. And um, several of them said they've had their uh, hormone levels checked, but they're come back normal. So like one of them said, what the heck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that can be a sign of a lot of things, you know, um, night sweats, I would, you know, there's something to investigate. It can be a sign of um, sleep apnea, actually, uh, because, uh, you know, your body, when your airways obstructed at night, your oxygen level drops, your brain thinks it's an emergency, you know, it'll put you into fight or flight, you oh. can have an increased heart rate, you can have sweating. So that's something to think about. Um, and sometimes it's related to sort of during dream sleep, our temperature regulation is not working well. And then when we come out of it, it may kind of thermostat kicks on and you may need to cool you quickly. Mm. So mm -hmm. you could have some sweating related to dream sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is difficult to manage because then once you've sweat, you know, sometimes you're cool mm -hmm. because of the, it's cooled you off too effectively, mm -hmm. uh, but you still feel uncomfortable. Uh, but I think all of those things you mentioned are good, kind of managing your covers so that you can easily add or subtract things. Mm -hmm. um, that's helpful. Uh, they do make some products that help with it too. One that I personally uses the chili pad because it's a little mattress cover that has water, uh, tubes in it oh. so hmm. um you can set it anywhere from 55 degrees to 110 hmm. and so a lot of the mattresses nowadays they trap heat i don't mm -hmm. know if you, the, the materials mm -hmm. that we're making them out of you get hot underneath mm -hmm. and i know i would wake up consistently three or four in the morning just feeling like i was laying on a bed of coals <laughs> and um since i got the chili pad that has it helped helped quite a bit actually to, um, to keep me comfortable. Cause I'll set it nice and low 61. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I like mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm laying on my little, in my little frozen chamber <laughs> over there. <laughs> and you don't get too cold. No, I have a little blanket that I can tuck under if certain areas are getting chilly. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, little, little pr kind of Princess, Princess Ellen has to have it just so. Well, of course she does, but it sounds oh, kind of wonderful. I'm terrible. <laughs> Do you love your chili pad? I love my chili oh, pad. I'm going to investigate yeah, and, chili pad. I mean, there are, there are, you know, so many um, new bed and sleeping products that can help 
you know, with, with temperature regulation, with comfort, with if you're a side sleeper versus a back sleeper and that type of sort of thing. I mean, so, so it is, it is good to be aware of those sort of things. So, well, I got to say, Ellen, we, we did not even begin to get through all the questions we had for you, but, um, we're going to let you go. And I I don't know, I'm thinking we might have to have, um, sleep podcast part two sometime in the future. I would love that. I'd be happy to come back. Good. Thanks. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks. You too. Sleep well. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Our next guest is professional long-distance runner Stephanie Bruce. Stephanie is coming off a stellar 2018. She won her first U.S. National 10K title in a personal best time of 32.21 Woo-woo. at the Peachtree Road Race on July 4th. Then in early December, after racing a marathon just four weeks prior, Stephanie set her marathon PR of 229.20. Let's hear it, Miles. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Um, by nabbing second place at the U.S. Marathon Championships at California International Marathon. Stephanie is a mom of two young boys, and she's always very candid about her pregnancy, post-pregnancy comebacks, her training, and her recovery. So welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Yeah. So, Stephanie, wow, you are quite the athlete. Uh, remind us how old your sons are. Um, they are three and four. So my son Riley is four years old and Hudson is three years old. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, preschool or not yet? Uh, they're, yeah, they're in a, they've been in a daycare since they were like uh, six months and 13 months old. Um, and so it's, it's basically like a really great preparation for kindergarten. Good, 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 good. Yeah. Gives you a little more um, free time to uh, record podcasts, say. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's the yeah. only way we could be doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so wow. So you had a banner 2018. Um, congratulations. And uh, what tangibles do, you, quote unquote, tangibles do you credit with hitting those personal bests? You know, nutrition, training methods, strength training, recovery. What What do you point toward? Yeah, so I would probably have to say the the biggest overarching theme was consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the first time that since I had had my two sons, I had been training for about a good two years, and I had stayed healthy the whole time. So I had mm-hmm. no injuries, no setbacks, um, and I think it was just accumulation of all the training finally catching up to me, and mm-hmm. it was no longer um, – I'm being cautious coming back into training like I was the first couple of years postpartum, but now it was, okay, how hard can I train and how many miles can I run? Cause my body was strong enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously what came along with that is just, I was able to lift more in the gym. So strength training obviously increased that made me faster and more powerful. Um, yeah. And so just like little things, I was, I was finally back to leading a life that a professional runner Mm-hmm. versus a new postpartum mom where my priorities were shifted and they were for the babies first and then they were for me. So now mm-hmm. it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. good, good, good. And how about grit? That word seems to resonate with you pretty strongly. Can you tell us what it means to you? Sure. So last year when I was training for the New York Marathon, you know, it was my ninth year running as a pro and I got to thinking, at this point in my career with so many things going on and having two small children, what was still like motivating me to get out the door and to put in these 20, 22 mile long grueling runs and to wake up every day, like excited to do what I do. And I had read the book by Angela Duckworth grit. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And she just had some great 
the way that she described grit and the meaning, like one quote that I loved, I think it, it said something like, each was chasing something of unparalleled interest and importance. And it was the chase as much as the capture that was gratifying. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about this whole, you know, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, that was so true. And that resonated with me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of started to share like in my personal life, some things that had happened to me with my father passing away when I was growing up. And then my mom got diagnosed with late stage breast cancer a few years ago. Mm. And so I had all of these like personal things happening while I was trying to raise babies and run professionally. And I'm like, don't we all need like some meaning to attach what we're doing to? And grit just became that word. And then I found that other people it resonated with them so well. And mm-hmm. it was cool. Everyone had their own story, I guess, of grit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where it launched. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. So we could talk all day with you about your training and mental strategies, which we would love to do, but we did bring you on to talk about sleep. So like with Ellen, we gathered questions from Facebook for you to answer. So here's one from Dale who writes, I often have insomnia and it gets awful the night of my rest day. How could I help this. And so do you find that you sleep differently after an easy, I I think that's very much in quotation marks for a professional runner, but an easier training day versus an especially challenging one? Oh, I do. I think that is huge. Um, It's kind of like a cycle that we go through in a week. So we'll have two to three hard days and four Mm -hmm. to five easy days. And I find the nights of my hard workouts, I don't sleep as well at all. Um, And I think that is a, a couple of factors just after a hard workout, your like your stress hormones and your TSH, which is your thyroid, they're just so elevated that your body is kind of in this constant state of stress and it's, mm-hmm. it, it cannot really mellow out. It, it, it is very mm-hmm. heightened. And so oftentimes I'll have nights where I'm just kind of restless and tossing and turning. Um, but then mm-hmm. the great thing is I nap every day. And so then I have a chance to catch up the next day. And then usually the mm-hmm. easy day, um, I will sleep really well. And you can correlate a lot of that with your heart rate too. So you had a hard workout and you took your heart rate, let's say later in that day, I would bet that it is much higher resting than the next day when you had an easy recovery run and you took your heart rate again, you would probably see that fall a couple of beats. Mm-hmm. And so um, a side note, when you take a nap, since it sounds like it's something you regularly do, do you get in bed to take a nap or you know, just you nap wherever you sort of find yourself? No, I, I get in bed. Like I'm pretty strict about my routines and I think it's mm-hmm. really important to keep that sleep routine consistent. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'll nap around the same time every day, especially because my kids, uh, they nap as well. And that's kind of been, I think, how our family functions, how my husband mm-hmm. and I are able to train full time and how my kids are able to um, be on such a great schedule that they nap between one and three every day. And so I try to tailor that same time frame for my nap. Wow. So like, so, nice. so don't call the Bruce household between one and three. <laughs> exactly. PM Pacific daylight time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then how much sleep do you get at night? Um, I aim for eight to 10 hours a night. 10 would be pretty remarkable, but I, the way I do it with the kids is, since I know when they're going to wake up, I backtrack and think, okay, how many hours of sleep do I need? I need to go to bed by this time, knowing that they're going to be up between six and six thirty. Um, so I ensure, mm-hmm. I ensure that I'm in bed by 9 PM. So I kind of control that. Yeah. 
So eight to 10 at night, then plus a two hour nap. Oh, sorry. I don't actually sleep those full two hours. Um, that's oh. like, that's the window that they would be sleeping. And so I usually uh-huh. shoot for 30 to 50 minutes. And then that other hour that they're hopefully asleep is when I get housework done. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, still, you are my sleep hero. <laughs> I'm going to put a poster of you up in my bedroom just, you know, as aspirations for sleep. That's yes. great. <laughs> so April is curious if sleep impacts the level of intensity of a workout. Should she or do you shorten or adjust your workout if you have had a shortened or restless night of sleep the night before? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I would say when I was newly postpartum, I definitely tailored my sleep uh, based on, excuse me, I, I tailored my workouts based on the sleep because, you know, those first couple months when you're breastfeeding, uh, you're having very interrupted sleep cycles. So you're probably not going through your REM cycle. Um, and so there would be some days where I'd show up to practice and I'd have to tell my coach, hey, like Riley had a really bad night. So I only slept three and a half hours um, and we would just push my workout the next day. But then mm-hmm. a, as that kind of as they grew older and I learned the importance of the cumulative effect of sleep, it matters more what a two-week cycle of sleep looks like versus a snapshot of one night. So I think you can get away with not really changing your training Mm -hmm. if you just have one poor night of sleep out of, you know, 10 or 14 nights. That's a really good point. A sleep cycle of a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So we asked the uh, the previous guests about night sweats. Do you suffer from them? And what is your solution for them? I, I know I have them, but what do you do? Yeah. So what I actually you? used to get them a lot in my career, um, mm-hmm. like quite a bit for probably like six to eight years. And I didn't really mm-hmm. understand them. And then it was pretty cool. Last year, I started partnering with Bedgear. um, And what I found with that company was they were developing this technology with sleep that their mattresses and their pillows and their comforters are cooled to the touch. And the whole idea is it deflects heat away from your body. So you don't actually get that night sweats. Because Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out all these things. I'm like, what am I doing wrong at nighttime? What am I you know, like, is it the temperature of my room? Is it my hydration levels? But it was crazy how it was kind of just my sleep environment. Um, and the and a lot of people will, you know, when you need a pair of running shoes, what do you do? You'll go to the store and you'll find, you'll try and eight pairs of shoes and you're like, I need the best training shoe. But nobody thinks, you know, how we actually get better at running is sleeping. Like everyone actually thinks that we get better when we're doing the workout. You don't get better during the workout. You actually get better that night when you sleep. Um, I know that that's like hard for some people to to wrap their head around. And so I felt like earlier in my career, I was missing like a big component of my sleep routine. Um, Yeah. And so I was lucky to align with a company like Bedgear who kind of shared my philosophy of how important sleep was with recovery. And so those cool sheets and pillows are they just like cool to the touch or do they have some technology in them like a water or something that cools them or it's both so um like one of the blankets i use i believe it's the vertex blanket it is cool to the touch and it actually just wicks away heat like that's Hmm. the material that's in it and it moves that moisture away from your body because at nighttime your body tends to rise in temperature as it's trying to get to its kind of like homeostasis level Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that's going to create that like night sweat feeling. And so just having a sleep environment with these types of sheets and blankets 
it's literally just moving that away from the body. And so you're not getting that hot and heated effect. And you still feel warm and cozy when you get in bed? <laughs> no, actually, it's funny. I actually do feel kind of chilly, like right when I get in bed, but it's like mm -hmm. a good chilly. It's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. It like feels nice <laughs> to be like, okay, now I want to like cuddle up under the blanket, even in the summer, which is really uh -huh. cool. Like, like to actually feel cool when the temperature outside is warm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, with the previous guest, we were also talking about wind down rituals and, um, uh, you know, kind of setting yourself up to have a good night's sleep. And um, on our Facebook page, both Kate and Jessica were curious about wind down rituals. Any advice or care to share any of your bedtime routines? Kind of what, what tells, your, tells your mind at that nine o'clock, hey, it's, it's time for me to shut down here? Sure. So I have a few. So for myself, the biggest thing is screen time. So get off your cell phones, get off computers, um, to stop having that uh, light in front of your face for the last hour before sleep. I think that's huge. And then um, for my kids, we have a routine where we'll do bath time. Then they like to eat cut up apples. And then we read two or three stories. Um, and so that's just like a routine that they're so used to that sometimes like we'll be reading to them and we're about to put them to sleep and they're like, our apples, like they get mad at us. If we <laughs> apples. And I'm like, how crazy that I got my kids to be like addicted to apples. They don't even know, they don't even know how healthy that is right now. Um, so, yeah, but they get like livid. They're like, we don't have our apples. So, um, yeah, that's great. Cause then they can expect, I think their body knows, okay, like now we're getting ready for sleep. And then after I put them to sleep, um, I like to listen to, I do some headspace meditation and I try to do that every day, even if it's like five to seven minutes. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'll admit, I definitely don't adhere to it as best as I can, but it definitely is just a way to unplug and kind of like de-stress and not think about whatever you have to do tomorrow or things that happen to you today. Good. Do you read? Or do you just um, go to bed I, after meditating? I do read, but I have a big rule of no reading in bed. Oh. oh yeah. Okay. I think there are two things. I don't know if you've heard this. But yeah. To do, do in bed. Okay. I didn't know how PC this uh, podcast is. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fine. Sleep. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, sleep and not sleep. Those are the two <laughs> right, things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't read in bed. I'll try to read during the day usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I try not to read anything too uh energizing at night like I can't read anything scary or you know like spy -y, you know <laughs> I like no thrillers I like a nice boring book well that I did <laughs> but talk, I do like boring books anyway I, so. I, I talked to one woman who was um she said she keeps a book by her bed specifically for reading mm -hmm. before bed or if she wakes up in the middle of the night that's kind of just pablum that's kind of a bland book and i kept for a while i kept um agatha christie's murder on the orient express because well, i'd do it yeah <laughs> did you say that out loud <laughs> yeah yeah okay so now for a bunch of questions relating to sleep and racing um on our facebook page holly said her old cross-country coach told her it's okay if you don't get good sleep the night before a big race because of pre-race jitters that it's really the sleep you get two nights before an event that matters and do you find that to be the case stephanie 
Yeah, I mean, I think the two nights before just made people like feel at ease if they couldn't sleep the night before. But <laughs> you know. you're calling BS on that one, huh? <laughs> exactly, because what if, then you have these people like, oh my gosh, I had a flight delay and I didn't get in until midnight, so I didn't sleep well. Two yeah, nights two nights before. Ah. Right. <laughs> um, so I think it goes back to what I was saying with the cumulative effect. I mean, if you have good sleep habits and you're sleeping consistently and well for the weeks you know, before a competition, you're doing a great job. Um, so I really don't think those those couple nights before are going to affect you too much. And it is hard to shut off your mind, like you are playing the race in your head, and you're thinking about little things that are going to come up. So that happens for me, like the night before a marathon, I don't sleep very much, because I'm, even though I should shut my brain up, I'm still thinking about like, scenarios of how the race could play out um, but I'm confident because I know that I've been sleeping well you know the days and weeks leading into the race mm -hmm. and the adrenaline the event's going to pull you through for sure yeah mm -hmm. you never fell asleep during a race no <laughs> you know <laughs> there you go <laughs> um, so Jolene asked about traveling to races, how to adjust to changes in time zone when traveling so you can still find the energy to get your workout in or perform at a destination race. And, and so for that question for you, you know, how do you adjust to time zone? I know that, um, you were, um, basically in the same, you were in the same time zone when you set that, um, PR at, um, CM, CIM, but I mean, so then there you are, you're in a hotel. Do you, I know you travel with a bed gear, little pillow for your sons. You don't take like your your bedding and your your pillows and all like all that stuff, right? With well, you. this is this is a great question because I actually just came back from Denmark. Um, I ran mm -hmm. the World Cross Country Championships over there, um, mm -hmm. and I did take my pillow. Actually, I have um, <laughs> what's called uh, the Galaxy Pillow, and yeah, that thing came with me because sometimes when you have something that is so comfortable to you and you're used to, and uh -huh. you have the un unknowns of like what a hotel pillow could be like, mm -hmm. just having something like that was enough for me to feel like I could get pretty good sleep in a, mm -hmm. a really foreign time zone. Uh -huh. um, and then we're actually going to London in a few weeks with the boys. And so we will pack all four pillows um, in the Bruce suitcase. Um, it's just one thing, you know, it's just going to look hilarious, but like, at least it doesn't, doesn't weigh you down. You know, it's no, not lightweight. Like, do you no, have anything to heavy. declare? Some pillows. <laughs> some pillows. Like, you, you Americans. Um, <laughs> we'll be checking the stuff in. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Usually I put it in my backpack. So it's carry on. And mm -hmm. so I think what What's so great is like looking at that trip coming up with kids you know it's going to be a real challenge to get them on a normal schedule because I can't explain to them time change and why they feel tired in the middle of the day but if they have something like they know they have their mm -hmm. pillow with them at least that can be like hey guys you have this and maybe the smell of it the feel of it can just be like a little comforting and maybe that helps them go to sleep better you know when we're traveling oh yeah the, the family loveys you all have your. <laughs> Don't forget the apples. Yeah. Yes, the apples. Had better not. Right. Yeah, your gateway um, drug to grapes and yes. cantaloupe and just going down that path, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, um, I get what I didn't answer is the actual like adjusting to time zone is uh -huh. like tip, typically they say it's a day for every hour time zone that you're going to. And wow. so, yeah, what's challenging is I was just in an eight hour different time zone. So they would say eight days and I wasn't even there eight days. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if you can just slowly start changing your clock 
before you leave, like either going mm-hmm. to bed earlier, waking up earlier, you can really like trick the body. And the biggest thing is when you get over to a new time zone, really welcome in light, you know, when it's daytime, surround yourself by natural light, and then mm-hmm. do your best to not think about what time it is at home when it's nighttime. Oh, that's uh, that, mm-hmm. truer words were never said. People who are always like, oh, well, it's really actually 11 at night. I'm like, yeah, but I don't care. You're in California. So it's eight o'clock. Okay. And exactly. it's sort of the same, you know, it's sort of the same thing about like, I don't know, complaining about it raining, you know, complaining about it's not going to make the rain stop. So just, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, so one final question it's, um, from, um, I think pronounced Megan, um, question on the surface sounds a bit wacky, but I don't know, maybe it's a secret that the pros practice. So I thought I'd check it out with you. She said she's heard people recommend waking up early, way early on race day to eat and then go back to bed until like normal prep time. So, you know, do you wake up at like, I don't know, 1am to eat a light meal and then go back to sleep? Or is that crazy talk? I mean, I don't want to throw someone under the bus, but it's a little crazy talk to me just because I, my principle has always been, you shouldn't feel hungry the morning of like your race or the marathon, because that means you probably weren't properly fueled going in. Like Mm -hmm. if you have all your glycogen storages topped off, you almost are like, I guess I have to eat this morning of, but it's more just doing it for routine. So I would say if you feel like you have to wake up, you probably maybe did something uh, not correct in those days leading up. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, you know, getting up four hours before a marathon is ample time where I'll eat a bowl of white rice, a picky bar and coffee. And in four Mm -hmm. hours, you know, that's that's plenty to have a couple hundred calories before the marathon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is that co- I have to ask that coffee? Is it to kind of ensure that things get moving before yes. the race starts? Yes. yes. All right. We love TMI, so feel free to <laughs> overshare with us anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you you want a small enough to like get your digestion going, but you don't want too much coffee because you really don't before a marathon. You don't really want to be amped anyway. You want to be pretty mm-hmm. relaxed mm-hmm. on that starting line because you have a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for chatting with us. Always a pleasure. Yeah. You are so welcome. It was, it was great fun. Safe travels. Thanks. Yeah. And we uh, look forward to having you take over our Instagram account on the day this comes out. So I want to alert people to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So good deal. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. Well, all right. I hope everybody is awake after that podcast. Um, So because, because you got to hear what Dimity has to tell you in the train, like a mother club. Hey everybody, it's Dimity here in Denver with our Mother Runner of the Month. I am super excited to be talking to Julia Miller of Madison, Wisconsin. She is a mom to three kids and is also a black belt in karate. Welcome, Julia, and um, congratulations on becoming Mother Mother Runner of the Month around AMR. Thank you so much. Well, I and you're I can't believe it. I'm very excited and humbled and can't believe that I have this honor. <laughs> well, your friend Danielle nominated you. She is a fellow runner and also a karate um, black belt. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with her and um, why you think she nominated you. Well, um, Danielle and I met at karate. Um, I had already been going there for about a year um, when she joined, but we bonded over the fact that we both also like to run. And like before karate classes, we would chat about the races we were training for and 
any training runs we had to do. And then we decided that um, Saturday mornings would be a great time for us to get together and get in a long run before also going to karate class. And um, that's just how we bonded. And I mean, why she nominated me, I, I don't know. I mean, you, probably because of that, because, you know, we just bonded a lot over both running and karate. Um, and, um, you know, and she's definitely like been very close to me, especially this past year with uh, some of the things I've gone through in my life. Yeah, well, and that's one thing. I mean, you're coming, you were on the anniversary. March is the anniversary of a fire that happened in your house. And thankfully, nobody was home. Um, but you guys, you and your kids were all coming home from karate. And you came home to a house that was on fire and full of smoke. Uh, correct? Yes. Yep. Um, house fire a year ago in March. And yeah, we came home and essentially we lost everything. Um, the, the entire house, like everything had to be thrown out and um, the house had to be gutted down to the studs and rebuilt. So we lost everything like in a couple of hours, one evening. That is, that's just crazy. Um, and yeah. I understand that the running community was super generous as far as, I mean, getting you back on your feet running wise and the, and the greater community in general, um, your neighbors and friends and all that just reached out their hands with, um, I imagine everything from meals to underwear, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Absolutely. All these essentials and the little things that you don't even realize, you take for granted every day in your house that you have and you're just going to, you know, open your drawers and just have to get through and you don't realize you don't have any of this stuff anymore. But also, um, you know, I was so focused on my kids and just making sure they had everything they needed to, you know, get to school and get to their activities and see their friends. And I didn't want them to be upset and, you know, or concerned about the things that um, my husband and I were focused on. But um, yeah, and then I, you know, hadn't run in a couple of weeks and the running community, the um, Madison, she runs this town group, especially like, you know, all my friends there just gathered together and reached out to um, Fleet Feed and um, the other like local running groups and just really helped me, you know, gave me stuff just like shoes and socks and, you know, clothes so I could get out there and get running again. Suited you up. I love that. I love that. And you yes. in turn are very generous with your time and energy to the Madison running community. You are a pacer with a local Fleet Feet store. Tell us a, um, a little bit about that, why you got started and how, it, how it's going these days. Um, I... Just, I love helping other people run, like, you know, especially somebody who want, you know, says like they want to try running, they've never done it before, they're new to it, or, you know, they, you know, maybe just, you know, have run like 5Ks or, you know, and then have, have bigger goals for a half marathon or a full marathon. I just, I love helping other people do that. And I like, I love that it keeps me grounded and humble too. It reminds me that, you know, we were all beginners at some point, that, you know, we're all, you know, and there's always something to learn. Um, so I just really love helping people like reach their goals. And, you know, when they get excited, like that they've never done a 10 mile run before and, you know, and then we go and we do it. And it's just awesome to, to see that. 
Yeah. Well, and you're going to be pacing the Madison Half Marathon on Memorial Day. Kind of, ex- I kind of wish that I was running that. I would love to be in your pace group and, and feel your energy. You've got it. It's, oh, I can feel it coming oh. through the microphone here. Oh, thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck. Congratulations again, Julia. Um, and keep up all your happy, good, uh, generous miles. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. I am hoping that spring has sprung wherever you are because in the living nourish like a mother, we are launching the spring focus. It is a vibrant, just like the month, the season, four week program designed by our nutrition guru, Ellie Kempton, and will help you plant clean, strong roots so you can flourish beautifully for the months to come. Was that enough flower plant reference for you there? Illusions. This program is now open to all who are interested. It no longer carries a simply nourish like a mother as a prerequisite. So if you're holding off because you're like, mm, haven't already done that program? Oh no, you can jump right into the living nourish like a mother spring focused. The season specific content of living nourish like a mother naturally integrates the simply nourished concepts. So no extra effort necessary from you. And join soon because the program starts on Monday. It runs through May 5th. Head to the nutrition program section of trainlikeamother.club to register. Again, to register for Living Nourished Like a Mother Spring Focus, head to the nutrition section of trainlikeamother.club. We appreciate you subscribing to and rating this podcast wherever you listen. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles and many happy nights of sleep to you. (laughs) 